It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got some football news to get to. We've got some transfers. We've got some talk about the uh, assistant coach and, and the staff. We, we'll talk about the running back room a little bit. So plenty to get to still on the football side as there's still offseason happenings all around uh, the football program. And then in the back half of the show, we'll get into the Michigan State recap. A huge win for the Badgers. What a game. Um, Wisconsin just really after a a dud of a performance against Penn State really bounced back in a big way on the road in East Lansing, a place that um, not so much lately, but in the past, it, it's been a tough place for them to win, and they came out and played uh, a really great game uh, on both sides of the ball, and, and really this team looked like a completely different basketball team from what they saw against Penn State, so we'll get into everything from that as the Badgers pick up a giant W on the road, so it should be a fun and full episode. Before we get started too much, I do apologize if my audio sounds a little wonky. I don't have my normal microphone. I am in a hotel in Des Moines, Iowa, and it's got a little bit of an echo, so uh, bear with us as we uh, as we grind through a, a little bit of a different podcast, but we still wanted to make sure we bring it to you guys uh, as often as we can. Matt, how are you this morning? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to talk um, some news, some basketball. There's a whole bunch to get to, thankfully. Uh, the football news continues to trickle out for us to, to talk about, and then basketball just always seems to line up really well with the podcast schedule. It's almost like we planned it that way. Uh, but we'll start with football. Uh, I know you mentioned before we got started, uh, you want to give a rundown on it. Uh, S&P Plus, Bill Connolly, uh, just released his returning production for next year for the football team, which if, uh, if you listen to the podcast before, I know both of us are huge fans of uh, what Bill Connolly puts out. I think it's a great indicator of what teams will be in this upcoming season. So anything uh, stand out to you in those numbers? 
I mean, if you look at it, um, Wisconsin, number 10. Uh, S&P usually loves Wisconsin. I, I know Bill Connolly um, kind of talks about that eventually. He, he does go in and make some manual adjustments after this initial results are, are dropped um, and and everything comes together. But Wisconsin's defensively, they're still right where they normally are. They're number two going into next season, expected to be one of the top defenses. They're losing a ton, though. And, and so a lot of that has to do with just the past few years, past four years usually, I think is, is what goes into it. So Wisconsin sitting good defensively, but um, offensively they're at 62. I would honestly think that those kind of come closer together as the season goes on. I know offense 62, um, it's, that's about where they were last year. They, they weren't great um, throughout, but I would expect that that comes down a little bit. I think their offense will be much better. At least you have, would have to hope based off of some of the changes they made this offseason. Um, we'll see how uh, Graham Mertz and this offense develops. But defensively, they might – I would think that they're going to still be a top 10, top 15 defense. I just don't know if they're necessarily going to be um, going toe-to-toe with Georgia, right? Like that was uh, kind of a big thing um, last year and really was the reason that they were, um, you know, in, in as many games as they were uh, based off of how future their offense was at times. So – I think Wisconsin right now, you look at it, and I, I think it might be a little high. Um, I just think that anytime Wisconsin's in that top 10, you uh, you get a little worrisome. I, I just remember being burned from the Red Robin incident where they were on SI and everything. But um, I, I, th- I think really um, the rest of the conference is also interesting with both Minnesota at 19. You've got you've got Iowa, um, who who actually returns a ton. But um, but does like their offense? If, if S and P Plus hates with Iowa's offense even more than they hate Wisconsin's, um, so I, I think that you you've got a lot of teams in the top thirty that are coming out of the Big Ten West. So it should be a fun race, especially when you look, start diving into how their schedules break out. Yeah, I mean S and P Plus is always a really good indicator. It doesn't tell you everything about a team, but it's always a good baseline to kind of see where you're at, you know, heading into the season based on these type of projections. And I agree with you. Ten is probably Badger fans are a little nervous, a little gun shy in, in regards to being a team that is is too high up there to start. I think everybody feels comfortable in that 15 to 20 range, and and hopefully exceeding expectations. But you look at it, the defense, while it may not be, you know, expectations are certainly going to be high after having you know the best defense in the country this past year. And you can, I think, we'll look back someday and go, man, this this defense was even more special than we remember. So. There's, there's certainly going to be expectations there. I don't think they'll quite be at that same level next year, but they still should be uh, a talented unit as ever with, with Jim Leonard at the helm. I think he's just doing a great job, and as are all the position coaches that work with, under him and with him uh, to develop these guys and, and making the defense really strong. So I think despite some turnover, those will be a great unit, and then it's it all comes down to, once again, offensively. I mean, we've talked about the offseason offensive changes for you know a month and a half now, and, and hopefully – it revitalizes this group because it's Graham Mertz coming back. It's Raylan Allen coming back. You've got an offensive line that you'll feel good about. Going to need some receivers to step up. But overall, this offense is going to be, uh, once again, nothing diff- nothing new is probably going to be what makes or break um, this football team next season. Absolutely. Up next in news, we've got a wide receiver transferring out of the Wisconsin football program in Isaac Smith. I know we've talked about, talked about the wide receiver depth chart. Um, last episode, and really, this one doesn't come as much of a surprise. Uh, I know if you remember his recruitment, uh, Smith was a player that was 
fairly lightly recruited at the, at the high D1 level. Um, you had to offer from Wisconsin, probably had an offer from Missouri, and then uh, a handful of FCS schools. And when you look at players coming in, you've got Giannis Lewis in the transfer portal, you've got the incoming freshman, you've got Skyler Bell and um, Marcus Allen, both of guys that really wowed at, at the end of last year. It looks like eventually with all these new names kind of coming in and jumping up the depth chart, some of these guys are going to get squeezed out. And so Isaac Smith, I think for me, really isn't a huge surprise in that regard. Uh, what did you make of his decision to uh, enter the transfer portal? Like you mentioned, it, it doesn't come as a huge shock. We didn't see a lot of him um, in, in terms of fall camp when we were there. Uh, you, you didn't hear a lot of things about him in, in practices, etc. So I, I think when you saw Marcus Allen, you saw Skylar Bell, you saw some of the young guys leapfrog him, start seeing snaps, and then they were, hey, they're going to bring in three true freshmen coming in for 2022. I, I think the writing was kind of on the wall. I think we saw A.J. Abbott leave last week, this week, Isaac Smith. I think you, you it's just part of um, the game is just – that guys are going to kind of elevate or fall down based off of based off of production, and and I think both those guys are kind of victims of some of those young guys uh, looking the part, coming in and, and making some waves in Wisconsin, seeing um, that hey they they need to increase the talent level at, at that position, and, and so I think that Isaac Smith is a guy that that you know came in with kind of a guy that they were taking a flyer on. Um, you look at him and Devin Chandler um, as well as Timray DK; those those guys all came in in the same class. You now have two of them have, have dropped off. You've got DK, who's probably going to be your top guy next year. So I, one for three isn't isn't great, um, but at the same time, it, it's kind of how the wide receiver position has gone for Wisconsin in, in recent years. It, it's kind of been boomer bust and at that wide receiver position, and, and, and right now Isaac Smith is going to probably be looking for somewhere maybe a little bit closer to home. He's, he's from that Memphis, Tennessee region, so – um, maybe a chance for him to, to find some more playing time elsewhere because I think Wisconsin is just loading up at wide receivers to kind of overhaul what they have. And, uh, you know, I think Isaac Smith kind of saw that there wasn't going to be a lot of playing time for him going into next year based off of some of the young guys stepping up. No, I mean, this I think is a situation where you look at it and there's there's so many times where we talk about, you know, Wisconsin kind of you know taking a flyer or going after a kid that isn't super highly recruited hoping that they can develop them into, you know, guys that will uh, exceed the expectations of their rankings. And, and sometimes that works out, but it's not something that hits every time. You know, you're hoping that, you know, every few of these players that maybe you take a leap on and, and isn't super highly recruited and they develop into more, for every couple that that happens, there's going to be a handful more that it doesn't happen in this situation where this was a guy that they went after. He's got, in terms of intangibles, a, a frame. He's got a good frame at 6'3". It just hasn't really... Um, seem to take it out of Wisconsin. Yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a reason why others have passed him up. There's a reason why um, we haven't seen him uh, on the field for the Badgers uh, quite yet. So hopefully he can go and, and find a home. Yeah, likely closer to home. There's uh, plenty of schools around there that in that area that maybe he could hop onto and and would find a good home that has an opportunity for him to play a little bit more because it's clear that Wisconsin has got a lot of talent and guys that they're bringing into that wide receiver room to hope and hopefully revitalize it. And you know when you talk about even like Dean Ingram switching. And, and other guys coming in, they, you got to feel good about what they have in that room. But there's just there's only so many snaps that's going to be in there, and it seems like Isaac Smith um, didn't see that opportunity to get on the field. So as he goes on to, to somewhere else, we wish him the best, and hopefully he can uh, find an opportunity elsewhere. Yeah, I mean he he was in the program for two years and didn't see any snaps. 
when Wisconsin was needing young guys to step up. Mm -hmm. So I think that kind of tells you where he was at in terms of the depth chart. So best of luck to him. I could see him landing at somewhere like Tennessee Tech where he had an offer out of out of uh, high school, and, and, and hopefully he can flourish um, wherever he ends up. Absolutely. All right, up next we've got an interesting news story. Um, it broke. It must have been a couple of days ago now. Bobby April actually interviewed for the Michigan defensive coordinator job. Apparently the interview um, was a couple hours uh, with him was talking with Jim Harbaugh and others at Michigan. Um, thankfully, Wisconsin sounds like he's going he's gonna to be back at Wisconsin, which is a nice, I think, huge win for the Badgers. You talk about so many talented assistant coaches that, especially on the defensive side, no disrespect to the offensive side of the ball, but some of the assistants on this defensive side are, are really special. I think Bobby April is one of them that is, is so well-respected across the league and uh, across you know Wisconsin. And for him to go and it's, it's great to see him get that opportunity to interview for that. I'm, I'm selfishly, I think we're all glad that he's going to be back because he's a great piece of this Wisconsin defense. But what did you uh, make of, of that news story? I mean, it's huge news for the Badgers. He's probably – now that Bob Bostad has shifted over to the offensive line, and I think you can make a pretty good argument before that happened, that Bobby April was probably your most important guy on that defense outside of Jim Leonard. Um, he has absolutely done some wonderful things with that outside linebacker room. You've seen the steady development for a guy like Nick Herbig. You've seen um, guys really go on to, to find success. Success. I mean, Zach Bond, his, the way he kind of um, performed under April and kind of came out late in his career was was really fun to watch. So I think you look at it, um, what he does on the field is really important. He's the defensive run game coordinator. I, Wisconsin was the best against the run all of last year. But also recruiting-wise, um, the dude just continues to stack up recruits. You look at T.J. Bowlers. You, you look at Nick Herbig, Caden Johnson, Daryl Peterson, right, like – Aaron Witt, um, A.O. Adebogan, like, they are Spencer Lytle. Like, he is finding really talented players and winning a lot of really big battles. Um, so I think he's a guy that you want on this staff, a vital, important member of the staff. I just think that he's probably somebody that um, that they are going to kind of use this to, to give him a little bit more pay, a little bit more responsibility. But but really, I think um, it, it's a uh, – it's, pretty strong telling point that, hey, one of your outside linebackers coaches was getting looked at to be the D.C. of a program that you're going to toe-to-toe with. Um, and, and, you know, luckily for the Badgers, he's back because I do think he's, especially given all of the other changes happening in the coaching staff, having a guy who's been around with the team for a while and is one of your best recruiters on, on campus is going to be um, a big plus. Yeah, that's that's what I was just thinking as well. You look at you've got Bostad and you're moving to the offensive side of the ball. If you, have, if you lost you know, a guy like Bobby April, all of a sudden you're really scrambling to make sure that, that linebacker's piece is taken care of. And, and on the other side of it, recruiting, he is one of their best recruiters. And the recruiting program and staff is already kind of not in shambles, but there's a lot going on there. They're trying to get it ironed out, figured out, and, and you don't want to lose a guy like that who's hit on quite a few commits over the last few years and, and really seems to be um, very well respected on the recruiting trail as well. So it's great to see him get that interview and, and be talked about in that in a high regard for some of these positions. But I know Badger fans out there all selfishly should be kind of uh, wiping their brow with sweat because I think that was a, a piece that you don't want to lose. And it, it could come someday. I mean, he's a very, very smart and talented coach. So there's a reason why he gets these type of interviews. But 
at least for right now, you've got uh, that piece back, which is a really big stability piece for that defense because Jim Leonard is, is a great defensive coordinator. He can't do it all, though. There's a lot of great and, and bright minds that, that work with him on that defensive staff, and you want to make sure to retain them as much as possible. So congrats to him for getting the interview, but it's nice to see him back in Madison for sure. Absolutely. And FYI, it does sound like that Paul Christ has kind of figured out his recruiting department. They just haven't announced anything yet. So I'm guessing it's going to be a hodgepodge of different people that were already within the program um, just because we didn't see any postings for stuff. But I do think that uh, Wisconsin is is in an okay spot um, going forward with that um, area. Telling us Paul Chris is keeping secrets from us, I can't I can't imagine something like that would happen from him. <laughs> um, he didn't put together a huge press conference with yeah. balloons and a parade to talk about who he hired for to be running the recruiting department. It's it's so unlike him to not to not be out here just in front of a microphone giving giving speeches and breakdowns that way. Um, but we've talked about the staff a little bit. We also saw um, earlier this week UW uh, had a job posting for another assistant coach for the defense side of the ball. I think you'd presume replacing Bob Bostad. Of course, there's some other things going on with the coaching staff where there could be some opening um, to have another assistant. So it makes plenty of sense. But were you at all surprised to see that? I know in the past we've talked about Bobby April possibly um, taking over all of the linebackers coaches or linebacker positions, but now it looks like they're going to be looking to add a, add a coach on that side of the ball. Yeah, um, I, I think there's a couple different ways that this can go and that I, I think it, why it's important is first I, I think they're they're probably going to be looking to hire an inside linebackers coach right like I would assume that that would be the move here um, the, the names that probably watch are already guys who've been around the program quite a bit in Jack Stitchy and Chris Orr I think those are the two guys I would be shocked if it went to anybody but them um, especially considering the fact that Wisconsin has um you know, they only have a week window that they're they're posting this. And uh, if you look back to kind of how things went with Bobby Ingram, leaks came out pretty, you know, after they started the opening and, and it kind of fell into place. I would imagine it's going to be one of those guys, Paul Christ has a lot of respect for both of them, wanted them to be on the staff and in around the, the group in some way, shape, or form. So I think it, it's, you know, one of those guys is going to probably be um, your inside linebackers coach. But you know, you only get 10 assistants, and they've already filled their 10 allotment now based off of hiring Bobby Ingram. So that means that there's another shoe to to, to fill here and that, that somebody else is going to be leaving in some way, shape, or form, whether whether it means that there's been kind of some shuffling with some guys. But I, I think that's going to be the more fascinating part is, obviously, Gary Brown's health um, is still up in the air. And so we'll see what that means for the running back room and, and really the offensive staff in general. But I think the, the bigger thing here is the simple fact that they're hiring a inside linebackers coach points to somebody else is moving or, or leaving um, from most likely the offensive staff or the special team staff somewhere in there because you've got to make room to have 10. There, there wasn't a, a big exception gone through this year that you get 11 going into 2022. Yeah, I think that's what you got to look to is say, hey, there's already – You've got 10 spots tied up, so there's a piece that's going to depart if you're adding a piece in there. So that'll be the, the ripple effect to kind of keep an eye on for sure. I mean, there's, there's there's been all sorts of rumors, rumblings, and then, like I said, there'll be leaks that continue to come out through over the course of, of this hiring, but it, it should be pretty quick. I mean, like I said, it's, it's a weak turnaround. You're trying to land somebody quick, so should, we should know, you know fairly soon here. 
Yeah, and I, I think there's two spots, or I guess three spots to look at. Um, and, and I'll take your take, Tyler, on what you, where you think is most likely to see um, those changes. But you you got to look at wide receivers with Elvis Witted. you got to look at tight ends with Mickey Turner. And I would think special teams with Chris Herring. Those, you know, Herring more so because special teams just hasn't been a bright spot for this team. Um, and and special teams is a spot where you could probably shift a guy like Mickey Turner in there or somebody else um, to take over. Um, maybe maybe a guy like Bobby April, if you're trying to give him um, even more responsibility to, to keep him around, give him a pay bump, he maybe he's doing a little special teams too. But I think I think Turner and Witted are the places you look, and between those two, I, I could see it going either way just because Bobby Ingram has a ton of experience coaching both positions with success at, at uh, the NFL level. So I think those are the spots. I still think Chris Herring is going to be on the staff in some way, shape, or form, but but I do think that Witted and Turner are the, are the spots that could see some, some shake-ups. Yeah, those would be the positions to watch for. You know, they've, they've talked about Bobby Ingram. Gonna, he's not just going to likely be the offensive coordinator. He's likely going to have a position that he works with and, you know, he was a pretty good wide receiver himself in the day and, of course, very familiar with the tight end room. So I think you've got to look to that first and be, that'll be the area that you're, you're certainly watching for as this turnover uh, possibly continues to happen. And But after that, it seems like we'll finally have the staff kind of buttoned up and, and ready to go, which will be uh, exciting for sure. All right, up next, let's go ahead. We were going to talk about the running back depth chart for this past year and upcoming into next year. Of course, this past year, it's kind of you could break it into two parts of of the season. You had the early season, pre Braylon Allen and post Braylon Allen, and of course pre Braylon Allen things were okay. I mean I think the running back room and the running game felt it could be better. And we obviously saw that it could be with Braylon Allen. Ches Malusi was a nice piece, but this season doesn't really turn around or change or shift anything without the emergence of the former 17 year old now 18 year old. Uh, star running back. So in terms of what we saw from this group last year, what uh, what do you take from it? Go ahead and rant and rave about Braylon Allen and, and let us know what you think of this running back room this past year. Yeah, I mean, he's special. Like, he's he is a stud. There's no doubt about that in my mind. You, you look at statistically him and Ches Malusi, they had similar carry numbers. Um, Malusi in a few in a couple fewer games just because of the injury. Braylon Allen also didn't really play much in the beginning of the year. So Braylon Allen had 186 carries, Chez Moosey 173. That's 13 carry difference. That's maybe one game difference um, if, if you're looking at uh, you know, a few a fewer carry game for either player. But what Braylon Allen was able to do, put together over 450 more yards in those in those 13 extra carries, basically, um, is is incredibly impressive. He also added 12 touchdowns compared to five from Moosey. And Malusi was really good for the Badgers. I thought that he gave them a, a nice spark, gave them a, a nice presence early in the year, especially when you look at that Penn State game and he had 31 carries. He gets Purdue 27 carries. So you saw him show that he could be a workhorse, um, help you out both as a runner and as a receiving threat. But I, I really think that going into this next year, the the biggest question mark is, is health. I, I think – Braylon Allen, you know what you got. He's your number one. There's no no ifs, ands, or buts about that in my eyes. I, I think you'll still see some other players um, get some time, specifically Ches Malusi, Isaac Arendo, um, as players that if they come back healthy should see playing time. But really, I think the, the biggest question is, are those guys going to be back? And if they're not, and 
I don't think they're going to be back for the spring. What can guys like Brady Shipper, Julius Davis, um, Jackson Aker do to kind of help round out this position? Because there isn't a lot of young depth behind Braylon Allen. Like, you have Jackson Aker, which which is helpful, but you're not bringing in a 2022 kid um, here. I know that Katie Akameli could play there, but really I think that you've got a, a lot of experienced guys who are going to back up Braylon Allen, and I think that Wisconsin's in a really good spot going into next year. It's just past 2023 is where there's a little bit more lingering questions as to where, what this room looks like. But, but I mean, this past year, the, the issues for the um, offense were very rarely on the running backs. Um, Braylon Allen made lemonade with, with what was going on around him at times and, and broke tackles to, to really kind of propel this offense. So I think it's going to be a fun group to watch this spring because you won't have everybody available and you want to see some of those young guys step up and, and hopefully show that, hey, like a guy like Julius Davis, hey, I'm going to be able to help you out um, next season in, in a greater fashion than what he did this past year. Yeah, that's that's a guy to really keep an eye on when you go into next year. Yeah, you're not likely going to not have Chesman Lucy uh, right away. So who who can step up and give you maybe that, that third running back uh, you know position? Because Braylon Allen's going to get a bulk of your carries, no doubt about it. He's your go-to guy. Um, Chesman Lucy, when he's healthy and ready to go, is going to be, I think, I agree with you, they're a nice one-two combo when you add in. You know, Lucy got a little bit. Um, of shiftiness and speed, kind of a smaller back compared to Braylon Allen, who's just ginormous and, and can run everybody over but also break away. Um, he's just, again, a tremendous talent. We don't need to go into much more with him. But um, but who beyond those two, yeah, is going to be the fast. And I remember a couple of years ago when we kind of talked about it, who's going to be the guy to spell Jonathan Taylor? You, know, you don't necessarily have that much. Um, you don't have that situation as much this year because you're going to have Malusi back at some point. But – just knowing that his health is somewhat of a question mark until he comes back, that's that second, the third running back spot is going to be one to watch. And you don't have some of those, you know, like I said, didn't bring in a running back in this past class. The class before that, you had Antoine Roberts, and I'm, I'm blanking on the other kid's name that departed. Um, so you had two running backs. Yeah, Berger, <laughs> Jalen Berger. Um, you, you had multiple running backs either leave or dismiss. So all of a sudden you're – you're, you've got a room that you expected to have more from in this younger group and you don't have. So a guy like Julius Davis, I know it sounds like we've been doing it for years, but you got to think this is the year where it's his time to maybe come on and see if you can shine. And if not, you know, we'll, we'll see how his career pans out. But certainly uh, a lot to watch for in this running back room going into next year. Yeah, because next year Malusi and Garendo are seniors. So the Badgers need somebody to to emerge as the backup to Braylon Allen for 2023, which I think is going to be a really good Badger team. Julius Davis is a junior next year, would be a senior in 2023. He's got to kind of prove that he's that guy, or he's going to get leapfrogged by a guy like Jackson Aker or somebody else who might be coming in um, in the 2023 class. Yeah, it's going to be a, a really interesting room to watch. I mean, again, there's probably, when we, as we've done this, there's been rooms that there's been competitions that we're really excited to, to watch for. Probably not as much competition in the running back room when you've got Braylon Allen, who's just one of, one of the best backs in the country, but there's still that, that second running back spot that you're going to be watching for. The, the emergence of Chesma Lucy with his health, how big that is. Julius Davis, Brady Shipper, is he, you know, does he take a step? in the running back room, and then, you know, a guy like Braylon Allen, still things to watch with him in terms of, you know, 
go, you know, coming out of the backfield, catching the football, pass blocking, how he develops into a full, true kind of three-down back is, is certainly something to keep an eye on as well. So maybe not as a as competitive in that room, but still plenty of storylines to watch for as we enter into spring and into next fall. Absolutely. Let's get into the basketball, man, because that was a hell of a game that the Badgers put together in East Lansing. That was a, a fun one, so we'll make sure to talk about all of that. Before we do that, guys, i got to talk to you about homefieldapparel.com. I know we've talked about it every week because that's how sponsorship works, but if you haven't looked at it yet, Home Field Apparel is a, a, a website in terms of collegiate logos, old school logos. They recently dropped their third or fourth week of Big New Saturday, and uh, the, this past week was the South Carolina Gamecocks, and they've dropped uh, a ton of retro logos, T-shirts, sweatshirts, uh, crew necks that, if you haven't have got one already, incredibly soft. So make sure to go over and check them out at homefieldapparel.com. Get yourself some new gear. They've got a nice Wisconsin Badger collection as well, if you haven't looked at that. Uh, a ton of great shirts, and every time I think I go to the website, I always check for new ones. Hasn't been a new Badger shirt yet, but I'm sure they always do a refresh in between their new season, so hopefully the Wisconsin um, you know, if you everyone clamors for one a little bit more, well, maybe we'll get some new home field badger stuff. But if you haven't haven't already, make sure to go check them out, homefieldapparel.com. All right, let's do it. Let's get into some basketball. We really a fun game. I mean, you talked about that Penn State game. That was one to just forget, get rid of it in terms of your mind. But this one was a really fun one to kind of go back, watch the highlights, look at the numbers because this team really came out and, and did a lot of things well. And I think it really, for me, what stood out to start was this defensive effort. I mean, you're going on the road to a place that, yes, you won you won last year with no fans, but this year coming in, they've got a fan. They've got fans that beat you already. It was a raucous crowd and an environment. And this Badger defense just came out, especially early, and forced turnovers. Michigan State couldn't buy a bucket. Every shot seemed to be a tough one, contested a little bit. And this defense just really played – I think some of their best basketball I've seen all season, and that's where this team is going to – they're going to make a run deep into March. It's going to be because they're playing defense at this high level. That's where it starts with Wisconsin basketball, and they certainly did that. So what did you make of their defense performance uh, this past week against Michigan State? It was it was tremendous. Um, you saw last, last time um, that Michigan State was able to kind of dominate the boards, get inside – and, and cause havoc against Wisconsin without Tyler Wall. Wall was back, and he played phenomenally well, led the team in plus-minus. Um, but I, I think the, the the biggest thing was Wisconsin, in addition to those turnovers, in addition to um, narrowing that rebound margin, they, they did a phenomenal job at keeping Michigan State from being able to run. Michigan State wants to run. They want to get out in transition. And Wisconsin limited them to only eight. Um, fast break points. In fact, Wisconsin got nine. So a team, neither team was able to do much in terms of transition. Wisconsin dictated tempo throughout the game. There's a reason they led this game from from jump to to the or from tip to to end. They they never trailed, and and Wisconsin just you know played phenomenally well on defense, and that led to offensive possessions where they were able to to take advantage of opportunities against Michigan State. You saw guys step up, up but. I mean, Chucky Hepburn is so good at defense. It's so fun to watch at times, um, and what he can do and all about when he's on. Um, but, but man, I, I thought just having Tower Wall back proved to be such a huge 
piece to this game because he he was just all over. He had he was guarding Hall for quite a bit of the game, and, and Hall had a, a solid night. But at the same time, you you saw him starting to ramp up where you thought, oh, he's going to go out and and drop twenty points here if he in the second half. But Tower Wall shut him down then after those couple dunks where he was getting hot, um, and it was just phenomenal effort effort by the team. Yeah, I mean, you look at the the first time these two played. You, you of course, you didn't have Wall, so you had guys like Chris Bo, Ben Carlson in there, and they just they don't have the defensive presence that a guy like Tyler Wall does. I mean, he does he does everything for this team. He rebounds, he plays defense, he can score. He can, you know, there was a couple of times where they needed a bucket, he got it down in the post and just, you know, kind of. I remember back in the day with Frank Kaminsky where he just he would back you down slowly and then just hit you with uh, the baby hook, and and Tyler Wall did that tremendously. Um, the other night, so he's he's such a big part of this team. You know that ankle injury uh, kept him out in that first game. And Wisconsin did what they could to try and hang in it, but it was clear they didn't have that inside presence that Wall brings, and and they had it this time on Tuesday night because he was just phenomenal. I mean, you look at Johnny Davis was great. The other guys I think played really well. I know Brad Davison struggled, but Chucky Hepburn I thought was tremendous on the defensive end. There was a lot of guys that played well, but. They, they likely don't win this game without Tyler Wall just doing everything that he did because he's just, um, every night out, he does a little bit of everything for you, and it's really um, a fun game to watch. Yeah, and you, you look at it, one of the big things here was it would have been easy for Wisconsin to kind of fall apart in that second half when Michigan State started hitting some threes. I mean, they were they were abysmal in the first half of shooting um, in the first half, and you, you would hope that Wisconsin would have had a bigger lead at halftime, but I, I think when you, you saw what Wisconsin was able to do late, they made five of their last five. They struggled at the free throw line for large chunks of the game, but when it mattered most late, they they, they uh, finished. So I, I thought just the way that Johnny Davis, whenever Michigan State made a run, Johnny Davis had an answer, and their way that they finished really stood out as well. I thought, you know, huge game. Going into the Breslin Center and getting a win, I, I know that st- the statistic of – that this was the first time that the Badgers have beaten Michigan State in the Breslin Center and and beaten Purdue and Mackey Arena in the same year, um, um, dating back to when they were both put up in in 1963. Um, it's 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 a testament to the grit that this team has. They find ways to win. I, that Penn State game wasn't pretty, but they found a way to win. This is another game where they went on a road against one of the better teams in the Big Ten, found a way to win in a game that you would. You know, we had talked about Michigan State was going to come in hungry after dropping their late, their latest game, and Wisconsin had every answer, didn't trail the whole time. And, and really, you saw some guys put together really nice play. I thought, um, you know, it wasn't always pretty for a guy like Chris Vogt or Warren Bowman, but Bowman had that big three that was kind of a prayer. Um, you also saw Vogt having to play multi, uh, 12 minutes because of, of the fact that they, the Badgers were in foul trouble. Stephen Crowell had four fouls um, and had to deal with, with the length of Michigan State. It was just a great team effort, and Johnny Davis continues to impress, regardless of what jersey he's wearing. Yeah, the the, the, the rip jersey, the number 51, uh, didn't seem to hinder him at all. He continued to play really well. And, yeah, really down the stretch, this Badger team did a did a great job of making some some huge shots. I mean, they were they – were, it was a game that they – it was it was close. Wisconsin led you know throughout, but it was still a game that you felt like if, if Wisconsin went cold, 
or missed a few shots, and, and all of a sudden Michigan State could crawl back in, and it's a tight game. And you saw that a little bit late, but then the Badgers just put together that run of just knocking down tough, tough shots. And Johnny Davis was, of course, a huge part of that. So this is a huge win for, for the Badgers as you look forward. You know, you've got wins at the, on the road against Purdue, wins on the road against Michigan State. Those are two of some of the best wins in the country because those are really places that Wisconsin historically hasn't, again, we've talked about it already, but historically hasn't played super well and had a lot of success in. So for the Badgers to pick up a victory, kind of get that revenge from the last time is huge. So we'll see how this team, we'll see if these two meet up in the, the Big Ten tournament at all because a third round with these two um, would, would certainly be a fun one to watch because the first one, it didn't look super close, but there was a little bit where the Badgers hung around and then just couldn't keep it going. The second one was a back-and-forth uh, game that Wisconsin was able to pull out. So a round three would certainly be uh, something I think both fan bases would like to see at uh, at some point here in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, and, and another really bright spot from this game is I know that we're going to – you can easily point to statistically how well Johnny Davis played, but really his ability to, to hit some, some jump shots was huge. We, we've seen him struggle there. Brad Davison still struggled. Um, in, in terms of the scoring column, still struggled to get his shot going. But Johnny Davis, 2 of 4 from deep, 8 of 11. I, you liked that he was really involved in the game, but also didn't try to force the issue. I know that he had said um, that he was kind of forcing it. Um, I, I want to say it was when he was interviewed by Matt LePay. Um, he said that he was kind of forcing it a little bit. You saw it, he let it come to him organically, and then when they needed a bucket, he, he was just out. You know, just the guy. He just took over, and um, twenty-five, six, and three is a hell of a game. And and really, in the games that they've needed him most on the road, in those two big road wins, he's had huge outputs. And um, and the rest of the team played well as well. You know, I mentioned Hepburn. I thought he played phenomenally well with eleven, three, and three. But this this was a fun game, and it was a, a big win for the Badgers as you look at the rest of their schedule. It's setting up nicely. Um, and, and really it's going to be a, a really fun race here to end the season. Yeah, it's going to be a, a lot of fun to watch. You, of course, got a, a tough one. It doesn't, you, know, you don't get any nights off in the Big Ten. You know, of course, next game will be Saturday against Rutgers, who's coming off a, a huge comeback win over Ohio State uh, yet, yesterday evening. So it's going to be a, another tough contest for Wisconsin. But this was a huge one to get. You talk about you didn't want that Penn State game to snowball. Now you've got some games ahead of you that, Rutgers at, at on the road. Rutgers is a different team than Rutgers at home. I know um, anytime you're playing at the rack, it's a tough one. But then you've got Indiana, we've had success with, and Michigan and Minnesota. So you, you've got a schedule now and until you get to Purdue again late in the year where you feel that you could manage and maybe rattle off some wins, which getting this win against Michigan State and now having that in front of you um, certainly sets it up for Wisconsin to, to make a run at you know, the top of the Big Ten, which, again, I know – we sound like a broken record when we say this, but I don't think anybody that listens to this podcast expected this team to be in a position to do that. So it's just remarkable. Um, the turnaround, not to, I don't want to say turnaround, but the difference from last year to this year, despite losing and all that this team uh, has really had. Yeah, and they're a really fun group to watch, which I, I know we both had said going into the year we were excited to see this team because they were going to be fun. Um but I think this game against Rutgers um, is going to be a big one. They've got Rutgers, you know, fairly close in back-to-back, um, you know, stanzas here. But um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what Rutgers team shows up because this is 
Rutgers team who's won their last two against ranked opponents and, and have looked great, but they also lost three straight against DePaul, Lafayette, and UMass. Like, this is a Jekyll and Hyde team that it's hard to really know what you're going to get. Um, but you you look at Rutgers' schedule, and, yes, they won their last two um, against ranked teams, but they're, what a gauntlet they're going through. They they beat Michigan State and Ohio State. They've got Wisconsin this weekend. You know, Wisconsin's – um, I, I think Wisconsin should feel good about that game being at home right away. But then they have Illinois, Purdue. Then they have to go and play Wisconsin again. So, like, that is in a terrible way to, to finish off your season. Um, but you look at this, and Wisconsin should go in, you know, pretty big favorites, especially because it's at home. But this is still a game where if you come out slow, you put together a performance like you did against Penn State, and you could get in trouble because Rutgers is a much better team than what Penn State is. Yeah, they're certainly a scrappy team, and when they're on and, and they're on, um, they can be a uh, tough out. And if Wisconsin, yeah, like if they get into those hiccup type of situations, it'll be a, a contest for sure. You guys, make sure to tune in and check that one out. It'll be um, at the Cole Center on Saturday. Game is scheduled to be on uh, FS1, and the tip is at 1 p.m. Central Time. We'll, of course, recap that on our show next week. Um, we'll have a show out likely on Monday. Um, so thank you guys uh, for always listening, and hopefully you enjoyed some football talk and some basketball talk once again. As always, on Wisconsin.